Welcome to the Maternity and Midwifery Hour, brought to you once a week by the Maternity and Midwifery Forum. This podcast is supported by Matflix, video streaming from maternity experts. All your CPD needs made easy. If you need to get your revalidation done or have a student project to complete, Matflix is the one-stop shop. Hello everybody, hi, um, my name's Sheena Byram, good evening, and I'm a midwife and I'm also the co-director of Orph Maternity, which encompasses the Practicing Midwife Journal and the Student Midwife Journal, and I'm, I direct that with my daughter Anna, who's also a midwife. I'm delighted to be hosting this evening. Usually you have the wonderful Sue MacDonald as your host, but Sue's been really busy because she was running the Irish festival yesterday. So I've stepped in, hopped in to, um, to do this evening. And it's a great honor because it just gives us an opportunity to really kind of uh, invite guests and look at things that are re really matter in maternity services at the moment. So I hope you're gonna enjoy this next hour. As you can see, we've got amazing guests with us tonight, and I'm so grateful to them for joining us to actually honour midwives and honour maternity workers in their quest to deliver maternity services, because this evening is going to be all about how we nurture and care for and support each other and those who are providing maternity care. So, and look after ourselves too, how we, how we really take care of what we are, we are doing. So, so first of all, I'm going to introduce um, Fatima, Fatima Gauche, who is a passionate Italian Moroccan midwife. Give us a wave, Fatima. And she's the continuity lead at Northampton Hospital. She's an ad advocate for women and human rights and she's against, against any injustice and an activist for diversity and inclusion. And Fatima is also a voice for black, Asian and minority ethnic midwives and women. So welcome Fatima, it's lovely to have you here. And right next to her is the wonderful Sam Tennyson. And uh, Sam is a continuity of carer team leader in the same hospital, Northampton Hospital. She's the founder of Empilo, Empilo, which is the voluntary life project that supports Empilo maternity and in Bulawayo, Zimbabwe. I hope I've said that right. Um, so Sam is a passionate midwife who's keen to support women and colleagues alike. And I'm lucky enough to have met Sam um, a couple of years ago at a conference in Northampton. Then we've got Louise Speakman. Give us a wave, Lou. Hi. Um, Lou is a midwife educator and empower of midwives and future midwives. And she's been a midwife for 15 years, nine of them spent in practice education and service improvement. She's now a midwifery lecturer at the University of Central Lancashire, but she's got an absolute keen interest and passion for leadership. Um, and she looks after and supports many, many other people. And lastly, um, we've got wonderful Becca Moore, who's a consultant psychiatrist, and she's the co-founder of Make Birth Better. If you don't know what that is, it's one of the best resources for, um, for women and birthing people and families, and also for 
maternity care workers to help us to make birth better what it says on the tin. So Becca's passionate about self-care and remaining emotionally well to do our demanding jobs and she prescribes many self-care tools alongside therapy and meditation to those she works with and I follow Becca really closely on social media and I love what she does so we're really lucky to have have you all. Thank you so much for giving up your time. Um, and before we move on to your talks, I wonder if I could just quickly ask you each if you'd managed to get a moment of the week. This is something that Sue usually does. And she asks guests if they've got a particular moment where they want to share with, with the, the, anybody that's listening. So Fatima, sh shall we start with you? Absolutely. Um, particular moment, I think just... Uh, realizing how important to have next to you someone who can make stronger your strength and can heal your weaknesses. Fantastic. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And Sam? Uh, I, I love listening to music of all, all genres, but my particular one is gospel music. So on Sunday, I was listening um, to this song that took me way back to when I was 16. I could remember when I was 16 and it talks about anchoring your faith in God. So I was just remembering at that young age that I used to love that song and thinking about anchoring my life in God. And it so matters now when everything is just, just looks like it's crumbling, everything is crumbling down that I've got that faith that I can anchor my faith in God. So yeah, that was my best moment of the week. Listening to that song just took me back a bit. Oh, isn't it amazing how music can really bring back those emotions, whether it's spiritual or whether it's a memory. Um, but it's it's just, uh, yeah, I find it quite incredible, really. I love listening to music. Thanks for sharing that with us, Sam. Um, from, were you in Zimbabwe when you were 16? Yes, I was. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of memories there. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Wonderful. So, um, so over to you, Lou. Well, other than this, this is quite a highlight of my week. And the fact that we've started tiling our kitchen after two years. Um, I think my actual true highlight of the week was today when I was doing breastfeeding assessments um, with some second, well, final year student midwives and it was just the absolute joy of realizing that they're they're very close to finishing and becoming midwives but they already were actually being midwives and it was really really lovely listening to them not just answer questions about the BFI audit that we were doing but just all of the extra holistic care and their philosophy was just shining through during those assessments. And it just really made me feel so proud and happy um, for them, but also for the women that they'll be touching and the care um, and all the lives that they're going to change. So it was a really lovely moment um, seeing them go from very unsure to, you know, actually owning and even talking to them about themselves as I'm a midwife now. Was lovely. Thank you, Lou. That is exceptionally wonderful. Thank yeah. you. Well done for doing that job as well for our future midwives. Thank you. And Becca. I'm going to be greedy and have two very quickly. So one is that um, a lovely woman that I've been working with for a long time who's had very difficult time with sleep. I spoke to her today and she just for the first week in 10 years had seven hours sleep a night and just felt absolutely amazingly different. And that just made me feel so unbelievably happy that she was um, sleeping and, and feeling so much better for it. And the second is that 
Um, we very rarely get snow in London. And so I went for a very early walk with my puppy. It was quiet, the sun was coming up and listening to the crunch and the crackle of the snow was just really beautiful because we just don't get very much snow in London. So those are my highlights. Oh, thank you for sharing those with us. That's that's brilliant. I love hearing. And yeah, I've seen all the snow in London. I've got family in London and that's it is quite exceptional, isn't it, to have that there. So thank you. I suppose what I'd like to do now is um, just what Sue normally does, and I'm going to follow, follow in her footsteps, is just to give a quick overview of what news has kind of hit my screen and hit my kind of antennae this week. Um, because first of all, I want to say thank you to all, all of you, midwives, student midwives, doulas, obstetricians, anyone that's working in maternity services, just to say thank you for the incredible amount of work that you're doing. It's uh, hugely pressured and we can read and see all about that on a daily basis. And this is for you. This evening is for you. Um, but the news this week has been really kind of, you know, looks constantly talking about the vaccinations increasing so that's good I haven't had mine yet but I'm looking forward to it um, the launch of the national inquiry and to uh, to drive action against racial racial injustice in maternity care led by birth rights and the, the, that was launched this week and there's an e amazing expert panel and then in Brighton and Sussex maternity services they've launched their first um, clinical and language guidelines supporting trans and non-binary uh, birthing people, which is, we think, the first in the country. So that's very exciting as well. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that have kind of drawn my, uh, got my attention this week. And I'm sure that uh, hopefully that you know about those things too. I'm going to share my screen for my last, um, my last little bit of news. And also, uh, ooh, can't find it now. Where are we? Uh, here we go. I just want to share my moment of the week with you before we ha hand over to the first speaker. And this, of course, yes, is to say thank you to all of you midwives who are, who are and student midwives. And as, as I said, anybody working in maternity services. And this photograph was actually taken by Dr. James Kent, who works in London and lives in London. And he's obviously a photographer as well. And this is what he said. I shot this photograph of my wife and her midwife and her midwife moments after our daughter was born. Charlie, that's his wife, labored on her own for most of the night receiving support on the phone from her doulas and using the birthing techniques she had learned throughout her pregnancy. Thankfully, her midwife and I arrived just in time to witness Charlie birthing our baby on the antenatal ward. Throughout the entire pregnancy, I'd wanted to capture a, a photograph of Charlie that encapsulated the strength and bravery that she and so many other pregnant women have shown throughout the pandemic. I knew as soon as I took this photograph that this was the image I'd been looking for. It felt like I was documenting the final moments of a powerful journey that in many ways was just beginning. And what James says is this is a project in its early stages, but he's already been interviewing and organizing photo shoots with women whose experiences of getting pregnant, pregnancy and pregnancy loss have impacted on the pandemic by the pandemic. He's hoping to drive change and raise awareness relating to the way the pandemic has made these experiences more challenging than, than ever. If you want to get in touch with James, he's, um, he's there on Instagram under Dr. James Kent. 
uh, and, and under Jack photo. So please do get in touch with him. And I just think this photograph really, for me, it gives me goosebumps and it really kind of makes me think about how, how incredible you are all, all of those of you working in direct contact with women and birthing people and, and families, how you're all doing amazing work. So thank you for that. And now what I'd like to do is hand over to Fatima and, and Sam. So the screen is yours. Thank you, Sheena. I'm going to share it now. <laughs> okay. Just bear with me one second. Okay. Okay, so what I'm going to talk uh, today is just to give a, a quick view of what is been, what was being a midwife uh, during the, um, the pandemic uh, for this last year. Um, looking at this last year, the COVID-19, it just made worse our uh, existing situation mm -hmm. of pressure and struggle. And they made this, um, we can say it's like a circle of, um, of situations because we know that during the COVID-19, we uh, started to have more um, situation of inequalities, inadequate working conditions. We had a lot of pressure. What that this led to having staffing shortage. Uh, we have sickness. We have self-isolations. We had people needed to, to leave for caring responsibility. And for those who left is more stress, is more absentees, is a turnover and people want to quit. But all this situation, what this means is affecting our compassion as a midwife, is impacting our professionalism and our effectiveness. This, this picture, this uh, feeling, um, uh, feeling uh, tree, I think is really good because it's about every time we wake up, we have different mode. And it's really important to respect each other because we are not always mm -hmm. everyone in the same level. We can, I can be number 21 as I can be number 10. Mm -hmm. Working during the pandemic, what happened is the situation of the unknown. Uh, we didn't have any answers and was a constantly a change. Mm -hmm. And this made the pressure, more stress, uh, was difficult management because it was something that we never faced before and was, uh, is all everything linked. You don't have answers. You have a massive change and difficult management from everyone. And as well, the thought of death. These are, I felt it every, especially the first period of COVID, constantly talking about death. Mm -hmm. um, but as well, what is meant be, be a BAME, be a Black, Asian, ethnic minorities facing that uh, dilemma of I'm staying or I'm leaving. I um, need to, uh, is about what is the important decision in life? is about what is my priority, is my work, or is my family back home? And this as well, providing reassurance in difficult times. 
because it's not as something that the situation we face just as a midwife is as well our patients, uh, the birthing partners they can attend or they cannot attend. Usually they have two birth partner. Now it is one. Sometimes even the mm. only partner can mm. attend. How we can reassure our patient, the partner that can attend to the scan, they can med for the first time their baby. But I think the most important for me was the hidden touch, the hidden smile. We couldn't hug each other anymore. Mm-hmm. And our smile is hidden uh, behind the mask. This, is, this, I think, was the biggest struggle for everyone. I'm going to let some. Yeah. Um, well, I, I like what Fatima has said because she's covered most of the, you know, the struggles that we have in the profession during this pandemic. And unfortunately, we are still in the pandemic. It feels like we are still at war. Um, for me, I, I, as a parent, as a friend, as a sister, as a colleague, as you know, uh, a cousin or an auntie to everyone. It, it, it has been really a difficult time in terms of um, support. Uh, I've been supporting everyone, but sometimes you get to a point where you think, oh my God, I've been supporting everyone, but who is supporting me? I always say to people, you can never pour from an empty an empty jug or an empty cup. It's so difficult. And uh, it's, it's lovely to have people that I work with. I come to work and I come to Fatima and say, I've really struggled, says, what is it? And we talk about it. So basically, I'm, I'm a mom to two uh, healthcare professionals who are also in the front line. Uh, on the picture is my daughter, Angela. She is uh, working, well, she w- works in NE. Now she works there part-time, but her, she, she now works for NHS, um, for Public Health England. But to be honest, when the pandemic started, she still lives with me at home. When she went to work, when she went for those night shifts, when she went for those long night shifts, I would not sleep. The anxiety, the stress, the fear of death, the idea of my my, my daughter being out there. And it, it was worrying as a patient. I know she's got to be out there because it's her job. She's doing what she loves. Just like when I go for my night shifts, I'm sure she didn't sleep. But I, I, I would, I would be, you know, worrying more about her. When I went out, it was fine because I'm doing a job that I love. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm going out there for the care I have for the women, for the care I have for my colleagues, for the care I have for everyone that I'm looking after. But to be honest, you come back home in the morning and Andele is going to wake up thinking, oh my God, what if, what if? It's not just Andele. My eldest is also a nurse in a different uh, capacity, mental health. Again, COVID has been everywhere. I'm a person that comes from a a family of healthcare professionals. So all of us in the front line, you're just constantly thinking, oh my God, what's gonna happen? Um, Talk about burnout. Uh, You get to a point where you think, I can't do this. I really cannot keep going. But the love for the job, the love for our women, just that idea to make a difference. We go out every day and we continue to be at this war and we we, we continue to want to make the difference for our women. And, uh, you know, uh, the support has been amazing. At my my workplace, I would would like to say, although sometimes we've been very short-staffed, we have been able to support each other and we keep holding each other's hand. So... Like, 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 you know, there's, there's a fight or flight. You don't know whether you have to keep fighting or do you have to flee? Like Fatima said, you are like, should I quit? Should I stay here? Should I 
think about my family back home. Should I be in Zimbabwe to where my other family is or should I be here to keep going? But for the love of the job, we keep going. For the passion that we've got for me, for, for the passion that we've got for, for, for doing what we do, we just keep going. And um, supporting each other. I said my, my workplace has been very, very supportive. They have, haven't they? In terms of uh, just making sure that we all go through, go through this pandemic, um, and I've just said, if you help me to keep my crown on as I support you to keep yours on. So basically we've been each other's, each other's comfort. Uh, how are you doing today? Just having someone asking you how you are doing, although they know that you're not doing that great because at the end of the day, the pandemic is here and it's, 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 you know, it's, it keeps going. Now there's questions about, um, okay, what do we do? Uh, we are from the BEM background, me and Fatima are from the BEM background. And then you get women coming to you that are also from the BEM background because we look after women from the BEM background in our teams. They ask you about the vaccination. What do we do? Should we or should we not? And as healthcare professionals, yes, we know we should. And then they get the social media coming and saying, maybe you shouldn't. So it's just really trying to teach women or trying to teach our colleagues even to teach our families because it's a new thing. No one knows which way they should go. And there's just all those issues. And to be honest, they do play a lot with our, your mental health. They play a lot with how you feel. You don't know whether you're, uh, you know, what, 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 like I get again, to fight or to flee It's always there. So my main point in this is if uh, as healthcare professionals or as midwives or as nurses or anyone who's out there in the front line if we just just continue fixing each other's crowns because our crowns are probably most of our crowns are sort of hanging halfway but with the good stuff with the good support we can actually fix each other's crowns and yeah i think in the nutshell that yeah, yeah that's what i think oh, thank in the last in the in the last slide, I wanted just to give what what we identify as kind of solutions because during this last year, as some said, teamwork was everything. Like the only thing made made us going to do twelve hour shift is the hope in your colleague. Uh, mm -hmm. supporting each other because uh, trying to make uh, that work condition better and I think it's really important the listening we need empower the staff we need to make them feel are a part of the change they can shape the the culture they can take decision part of the decision this was what was really needed during the COVID and as well the fairness we need equity. We need uh, more uh, proactive approaches to divert, uh, mm -hmm. diversity and inclusion, and as well to encourage the midwife to stay, giving them more opportunities of learning, development. But what we really need, we need compassionate leadership. Mm. This is what is really needed because when you have compassionate leadership, you support, you mm -hmm. listen, and you empower. As, as a midwife, we empower our women. As the leaders, we need to empower our staff. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, both of you. Thank you for that incredible insight, not just into what it's like working in maternity services, but also because you've got your families that you're worried about and thinking about as well, like Sam, your, 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 your daughters. And, you know, you've really given us a broad um, sort of overview of what it's like, the tensions, the fear, 
um, and the distress really affecting you on a daily basis, but the importance of looking after each other really came over strong. And I think the crowns are falling off. They're like, they're like wobbly, aren't they, most of the time? But that's a really good analogy, isn't it? And really good kind of thinking, yeah, look after each other's others crowns because you both you both everyone needs that don't they so thank you really appreciate you taking time to tell us and I hope you're okay and that it's not been too stressful for you telling us about about that because I'm sure it keeps coming back in into your your you know your emotions how hard it is but thank you thank you for sharing it so over to you Lou now please um if you could Hi. tell us about hello, hello thank you Hi. I will just share my screen. I have um, some slides I want to share with you as well. So there we go. So um, I'm Lou and I wanted to talk to you today um, as a midwife, an educator and I'm always aspiring to be an empowerer as well. So I wanted to talk to you uh, really about how we can take care of the carers. We're very good at empowering women and families, um, but we also need to empower, nourish, nurture and thrive as professionals as well, as colleagues, as parents, sisters, brothers. Uh, you know, we all have our professional and personal lives as well. Um, so it's really wonderful um, and thank you as well for um, you know um, giving me some time to speak today. So I kind of wanted to start by talking about the impact of um, stress and when stress which you know can sometimes be positive and good actually becomes something toxic and a disease. So as you can see from this slide, which is the Yerkes-Dodson curve, there's varying levels of stress and a little bit of stress can be actually something positive and actually help performance. Um, but when stimulus stress is either not enough or is too great, it actually lowers performance. And when your stress level enters this red zone, um, then that's really that zone of being burnt out. And this can be the point of no return. And so really alarm bells need to start ringing when you're in this amber zone of feeling overloaded. Because once you're in the red zone, it can be a very quick and downward slope to disease. And actually being ill and stress-related illnesses are actually in there many. And it can be physical and it can be mental and it can affect not just you, but your family as well. And I think if you get to this stage, really, you need to be stopping. And I don't mean having a relaxing weekend and oh, I just need a really good lie in um, or two days off at the same time, um, it, you know, or just having, you know, a week off on holiday. I think you actually need to be, you know, receiving help and giving yourself time to heal properly and to become well again. And this may not be the case for everyone, but I speak from experience because I had a period in my professional life where I was burnt out and I didn't just get to breaking point. I did actually break and recovering and regaining my confidence and my belief in myself took a long, long time. So I wanted to always think about different things that motivate us as well uh, before I move into some um, things that we can do to try and promote our own well-being, but also those that of our colleagues. So in an ideal world, 
everyone would be intrinsically motivated. And so this is when um, motivation is sourced by joy and passion and that sense of doing something worthwhile and amazing that's making a difference. And I think Fatima and Sam, you know, that's what they were talking about. The going in to make, you know, um, for, for their colleagues and because they know you know, they're needed and they're, they're going to be able to, you know, help help people, uh, you know, have their babies healthy, positively and safely um, and, you know, and have that impact on the world. But our world is not actually ideal. So we do sometimes, um, you know, in our teams, we may get some colleagues who are a little bit more extrinsically motivated. So they don't really enjoy the job as much and they're here to pay the mortgage because they have to be, um, you know, they don't want to get sacked. Uh, and, and it's more fear of punishment or fear of something else that's motivating them <clears throat> but I actually think because of the pandemic that midwives and other healthcare professionals are actually um, surviving and being motivated because of addiction and by that I actually mean that it's an unhealthy and a toxic approach and to motivation because they're continuing to work really despite being um you know despite being exhausted and maybe you know being needed elsewhere and this is a really awful conflict to deal with like Fatima and Sam spoke about and a beautiful um midwife friend of mine told me how she's not coping very well at all uh, but she said she's actually working every shift possible and doing extras because she knows it's going to help her colleagues and it's helping the women in the family. And this gives her a sense of purpose and reward when she's actually feeling rubbish. However, she also said it was a good um, way to distract herself from her own personal problems and those of her family and her children because the impact of the pandemic isn't just about loss of loved ones um, it's also the loss of normal ways being able to see your family hug them children um, being able to play with their friends as usual so in the long run I think this kind of addictive motivation is going to be very damaging and it can contribute to burnout and like I said you know there are some people who will be very much in that intrinsic zone some in that extrinsic zone but I do worry that there's more people being driven really by this this need to continue because what, what they don't want to face the reality so I just want to make it clear um, that there are things that we can do to maybe try and manage this situation a little bit because if we're honest no one would actually choose this way of life I don't imagine anyone is living their best life right now um, we're all just doing the best that we can and we know it might not be the best way but it's the best that you can manage so I wanted to start with this really simple message and that is that self-care is self-love it is not selfish and it is not optional. You must prioritise yourself, which can feel very alien when you're normally the one who is caring for everybody else. And Sam spoke about pouring from an empty cup. And for a little while, we can all keep going. We can pour from an empty cup, but at some point we're, we're going to collapse. It's going to be, you know, that's it. And um, we can't possibly pour anymore. And you don't really know when that's going to happen. You can't gauge how long you can last. So I think it's really important that we even though we're used to caring for everybody else, we actually take time to care for ourselves. So some ways to do this, I think, is to be true to yourself and have integrity and own your feelings. Because when we ignore how we feel or how others feel, and we try to convince everyone and ourselves that everything is fine, it's fine, 
there's actually a toxic positivity that develops and this can be really damaging to yourself but also to others if you work within a team or you're a leader or a role model because when you're trying to convince yourselves and everyone else that it's all fine when it clearly isn't then you become dismissive so you might be seen as being out of touch and even uncaring. I also wanted you to think about um, acknowledging your feelings by using something like a check-in tool like this. And this is one you might just want to do yourself on a you know, regular basis or doing it at the start of a shift with your teams. And um, it's really quick and it's an easy reminder. Uh, sorry, it's easy to remember and it's a really um, simple thing to understand, I think. So if you come on shift and you say, I'm feeling really blue today, um, you know, it's letting everyone know that you might need a little bit of TLC because, you know, we're very good at coping and looking like everything's fine, but under the surface, it might not be. But also if you're feeling green and you share that with your colleagues, that may actually give others a boost. And I think it's really important to note that you can actually feel all of these colours and these emotions, sometimes even in one day. Um, but again, you just need to acknowledge that and judge your, sorry, and acknowledge your feelings without judgment. And also when you're being honest with yourself or trying to be honest with others and genuinely ask them how they are, I think it's really important that we listen with fascination. And we do this so often with women and families. We make them feel so special and like they're the only person we're talking to and interested in, um, even though we might actually be really, really busy. So please listen to yourself and to others with the same level of fascination. Another thing I think you can do is small acts of kindness. And both of you will benefit from this. You feel good by doing a selfless act and possibly making somebody else's day better. But they also feel good because they've been noticed, they're feeling valued. And then they may actually go on and do acts of kindness for somebody else. And then they may for somebody else. And so from one small pebble of acknowledgement, a really large ripple effect can start. And one way we encouraged to actually do this at a recent midwifery ambassadors event was to encourage midwives to act. And by act, I mean to appreciate someone and directly and in the moment, and then to also commend them to others and share with other people how amazing that person was or what, what they did that was so amazing that you thought was special and helpful. And when you're also appreciating them you know, in that moment, also encourage them to then tell others and so that they teach others potentially about what it was that they did or what was so special. And it just becomes an infectious, positive act. And I think um, it's really important to be your own best friend. Be kind to yourself and speak to yourself as if you were talking to your best friend or a loved one. Because if you were struggling to climb a mountain and your best friend or somebody who loved you was actually at the top looking down on you and they could see that you were crying or that they could see that you were depressed, uh, distressed and really struggling, they wouldn't tell you that you were being pathetic or you know, speak to you negatively or put you down in any way. What they do is they'd help you up and they'd speak kindly and gently to you. So please um, be careful with how you respond to your own emotions and thoughts and don't be dismissive and don't be negative because you're always listening and you will, you know, if you only speak negatively, that's how you're going to feel. It reinforces those feelings. And just to start wrapping up, I wanted to reflect on how wellness and thriving can really impact upon resilience and retention and consequently the development of strong midwifery roots. And in turn, 
this, you know, better resilience, better retention and better wellness from staff can then impact on intrinsic motivation. And that affects our performance and our moments of truth. And for us as midwives, our moments of truth are these safe, positive and magical experiences for women, babies and families whilst they're in the maternity care system. So really, it, it's a win-win situation. You feel better, more resilient, your workforce is healthier and the care that the women are, uh, are receiving is better as well. And then this is my very last slide. And I'd just like to end with a little reflection about how midwives are like swans. And swans are calm and graceful above the water, but beneath the water, they're kicking their legs frantically, trying to stay afloat. And this is really good for you know women and families because it helps to keep people calm, but this isn't necessarily good if you continue to be like a swan in your personal life. And when you don't acknowledge your feelings, but instead you choose to glide serenely around like you have no concerns at all. But they also say midwives have the heart of a lion and I think we need to be more lion. So lions move in silence, often concealed, but when they roar, it's so powerful, it can be heard miles away. So don't be a swan, be a lion. Be powerfully silent, be gentle and quietly whisper. But when you need to be heard, then roar. And we're really good at hearing and advocating and roaring for women and families. But we need to make sure we also advocate and roar for ourselves as well. So that really was all I wanted to share. And, um, you know, I could have said a lot more, but we've got to keep, um, you know, we've got to have some guidance with times. But I do hope this has given you some things to reflect on and maybe some small tips that you can actually take and start to use yourself or with your colleagues. So thank you. Thank you, Lou. I actually had myself on mute there. So I, that was that was very, very helpful, really, just to for everyone, I think, you know, thinking about self-care is so important, isn't it? Because sometimes we do keep going and we do that for very many different reasons. Sometimes it is distraction and sometimes it's because we don't know what else to do. But I love the act, um, Monomic, and also the fact that you're saying to be your own best friend. But thanks for sharing your insights. Yeah, I really, really appreciate it. Thank and, you. And lastly, we'd like to hear from, I keep saying lastly, don't I, Becca? But okay. uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful to have you here with us this evening. Um, and so I'd like to hand over to you. Thank you. Um, so uh, some of my slides have already been touched on really beautifully by the other two, uh, three speakers. Um, so I will kind of perhaps zip through some of those and then talk about the self-care part. But you know, obviously what we've been thinking about is the psychological impact of caring for others, which is what we do day in, day out as healthcare professionals. But clearly the, the last 18 months that we've lived through has really added to the burden of that. And you know, you talked beautifully about compassion fatigue and burnout. And there are lots of different ways that we can feel harm at work psychologically. And it might be one event or it might be lots and lots of little tiny events that sort of build up over time. And we can, you know, 
that might be trauma, vicarious trauma, post-traumatic stress. And I think moral injury particularly is one at the moment that's really important because we are working in different ways and being asked to make decisions and choices at work that we have perhaps never been asked to before. And it can feel like something that we would never normally choose to do. So there's a lot of different ways that we can be feeling harm. And so it, that's why it's so, so important that we're looking after ourselves and protecting ourselves as well. Let's see if it will let me. Okay. So we talked a little bit already about compassion fatigue and that that might show at work or at home. And that's the sort of not being able to pour from an empty cup, just, just feeling like you haven't got anything left to give really, like you just can't have your normal level of compassion or kindness. Um, and I think, you know, that that's quite common for all of us at, at points. You know, I know sometimes that I can feel it and, it and I know that then I need to take a break. I need to take a pause. I need to take a week off because we're all carrying things, you know, that are very emotionally heavy in the work that we do. And I think we all by nature are people pleasers. We always want to do more. We want to go the extra mile but that mustn't come at the expense of ourself, our own health as well. Burnout is another term which has already been discussed. And I think that that's really, really common. If you look at the literature, it, it is in slightly higher rates for healthcare professionals than many other occupations. And that's just sort of feeling physically, mentally exhausted, like you've lost your drive, your enthusiasm, your motivation. Moral suffering is, is about moral, making moral choices that you wouldn't normally want to do, that, that you're being asked to make choices. I suppose the easiest way to understand it at the moment perhaps is where there aren't enough ITU beds and somebody is forced to choose between two people who goes to that bed. That is something as clinicians that we would never expect to have to choose and it can be, feel really shameful and really difficult. And I think moral suffering is something that it's really important to be aware of at the moment because a lot of us are feeling that at the moment. Precarious trauma is, you know, something that existed pre-corona, the high rates, unfortunately, in midwives and obstetricians. So essentially feeling that you're having some trauma symptoms yourself because of what you're witnessing or watching at work. And that might be witnessing a very difficult birth, but it might be also witnessing poor care, bullying, um, not feeling that you can report concerns to your managers. So it can be all kinds of different things that can lead us to feel that sense of trauma. And I think it's just really important for us all as practitioners to, to think about ourselves because we bring our whole self to work. Very few of us are able to switch off and disconnect and come into work and just be at work and then just go home. We come with our histories, with our stories, with our narratives, with our family histories. And I think it's really good if you can just start to tap in about your own fears, your triggers, your emotional wounds, and how they might play out for you at work. Because the more you can understand those, the more you can think about what do I need, what helps me, what do I need to protect myself and keep myself really emotionally resilient and robust at work. So I think it's really worth thinking about that because often we haven't really particularly, and it's a good thing just to, 
take a moment after after tonight and have a think about perhaps. So in terms of support for you, that's already been beautifully talked about, but these are just some more practical things about what you might do in the here and now, because sometimes it can feel like we do not have a second to take a pause on a busy shift. But actually, probably we can take 30 to 90 seconds and there's a lot we can do in that time. So smile at yourself, smile at a colleague. That's a really quick, instant way to make yourself feel better. You can do a minute or two of breathing. Actually, if you breathe, let's say in for four, out for four. If you look at um, people's brains in scanners, you will see them start to change after 90 seconds of breathing. So you can reboot your emotional nervous system really quickly just with breathing. You might just feel yourself physically, push your feet into the floor or push your bum if you're sitting down in clinic all day like me, um, or just hum, sing to yourself, all those kind of things you can do very, very quickly as an immediate thing just to feel a little bit better. If you've got longer, if you've got five minutes, you might call someone, you might um, make a cup of tea, sit and drink it with a colleague, open the window, get some fresh air, you know, have a drink, have something to eat. I would say also for me, go and have a wee, because I think we're really good at never doing that in the middle of shifts. And actually things like that where we're not looking after our bodies, you know, we really need to, I think sometimes get a lot better about remembering to do those basic things for ourselves. If you've got a lot, a lot longer, you might have a mini sleep, watch something funny that makes you laugh. There are all kinds of things you can do. And I think longer term, you might also think about what more might I need than these kind of micro moments. And it might be that if you've recognized, you know, you're on that curve of stress and burnout, that you actually need something more, that you might need some therapy, some support, and, you know, knowing what's available to you is really important and feeling that you're able to talk about it with your managers and get that support if you feel it's needed. Whether you need to take a bit of time off work, there are all kinds of different things that, you know, can be put in place to support you. So I don't know why these are so small. I'm so sorry. I'll have to even take my glasses off to read them myself. But just in terms of what other things for self-care, I think, you know, Self-care can sometimes feel a bit tokenistic for people, but actually to me, it's sort of self-worth, self-love, self-value. So it is really, really important. And like it's been said, it's not optional. It's not some kind of extra. It's something that we really need to prioritize. And, you know, I can give you a list of things, but it will be different for us all, what we enjoy, what gives us joy, what makes us feel that we're caring for ourselves. There's no one size fits all. So it might be, you know, being on your own, or it might be being in a group, it might be your faith, it might be being outside in nature, it might be the food you eat or cook to nourish yourself. And it's really about thinking about those things that really spark that sense of joy and peace and content for yourself and everybody's list here will be different but you know all of those are really really great options I think you know rest is revolutionary to me I think we we live in a culture where doing is equated as being good and somehow we somehow now see rest as being non-essential but actually rest is 
totally healing, feeds our soul, and we all need to prioritize rest. And I think we often feel guilty about resting, um, whereas actually I think we should all be resting as much as possible wherever possible, because it is the single best thing that you know you can do just to slow down. Um, so I think I would prescribe rest if I could, because I think it is absolutely essential for people. And there is nothing to be guilty about. I love resting as much as possible. I think just in, in terms of quickly support for teams, um, you know, I think obviously we take some of the responsibility ourselves for, for managing our own health. But I also passionately believe that the system we work in, wherever that might be, also needs to take responsibility for our health. So it needs to be both, not either or. So if we think about teams being psychologically healthy and safe, you know, that might be team debriefing, team reflective practice, might some of it, you know, the evidence for some of those different things is mixed, but I think that certainly reflective practice for teams can be really, really powerful. And it has to be reflective practice where people feel safe to talk about anything without fear of judgment or criticism. But when we have a psychologically safe team, then we tend to thrive and feel psychologically well ourselves. So for me, I really believe it has to be both. We need to work within safe teams and also look after ourselves. And the way we do that has to be through authentic modeling. So if we want the system, if, if we're asking people to behave in a certain way, we need to model that consistently to them. And that needs to come from the very top down at every level within a system. And these are just different ways that, you know, I think that teams need to model how much they care for and want to protect and nourish the people that are working within those teams. So, you know, everything from making sure that people take breaks, regular reflective practice, you know, some teams have amazing program of yoga classes, um, some teams have an amazing garden, you know, all those little things that actually when they add up can make a huge difference to how we feel at work. And just to finish, I've, I've put on, I'm, we can share the slides, I'm very happy to do that. Um, lots of different ways that you can seek support. So there are a huge amount of um, supports, particularly now there's additional support in for accessing through, uh, free therapy for anybody working within the NHS. The Samaritans have their own special line for NHS professionals that's 24 hours a day. So there's lots and lots of different sources of support out there. And likewise, if you look at the Make Birth Better page, we have a couple of specific um, pages around support for teams and professionals. And then there are also some books and workbooks there as well, which you might want to dip into. And that's me. Thank you so much. Becca, you always deliver the most um, amazing information to us. and. I, you know, I've been writing frantically as you've been speaking. It was a bit fast to, to be on time. Well, no, I just think taking photographs of your slides because they're so useful and, and I can share them obviously on social media, but things that really stuck out for me in your talk was rest is revolutionary um, because we do feel guilty, don't we? When we're 
sometimes just feeling spent and we just need to like lie down for a while or sleep for a while. And it's true. I love that rest is revolutionary. I'm thinking how I can use that and authentic modeling. I love that as well. And I always think that sometimes when we say, we always say um, as midwives, not always, but very often you hear that, oh, they, they aren't doing this or they it's, they're doing this to us. And, and I think we have to take responsibility sometimes to begin that change. You know, to, I know it has to go from the top down, but sometimes we can spark that change by what we do. Um, and there's there's ways of doing that as well, I know, and we haven't got time to go into it, but I just find it fascinating. I mean, your, 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 um, your, informa- your support links there and the, the concepts that you were presenting us with and Luz as well, really provide us with some hope for, you know, maintaining mental health because it's so important that we look after each other and look after, you know, whether it, in whatever way, shape or form that we look after ourselves and we look after each other. So thank you so much um, for that. So for the last 10 minutes, um, all of you, we've got some questions that have come through. And the first one is for um, Fatima and Sam. And it's from a midwife who says, for those midwives who have been off, for example, on maternity leave during the whole pandemic, in order to maintain a stable mental health, what advice would you give us for coming back? Hear the question? <laughs> yeah, that's a, a very good question. But uh, again, I think it just boils back to uh, having a supportive team. Our trust has got a very uh, good support in terms of uh, mental health support in the in the in the uh, hospital. So again, engaging with those um, platforms and just. Try and find a, a space where you can just talk to people. I know that, that being at home, watching all the news and watching all the social media, there's been a lot of negativity. And there's a new mom who is at home and coming back to practice. You're just thinking, oh my God, I'm going to bring this this virus back to my baby. I'm going to bring it to my family. But again, it's just really seeking that support and just asking people to support and hold your crown because we still have that crown. It still needs to shine. So we've got to just give you that support. And like I said, m- many hospitals have got resources for that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Did you want to add anything, Fatima? No, I completely agree with what uh, Sam said. And I think is even for people, not just out in maternity leave, but people they've been shielding for months was really scary mm-hmm. to come back again. But again, it just, I think sometimes we need, I think as uh, Becca and Lou said, it just to share, positive um, uh, vibes out there with our colleagues and just support each other and we can do it yeah well I hope that helps then to midwives who are coming back after having a baby or leaving for it you know being away for any reason so um, thank you I agree with you I think there's nothing like support and it's you know before you go back finding those support finding what where that is in your organization is really good isn't it that's a good good tip thank you very much both of you And a message from Sue MacDonald, who usually hosts this evening, and um, we love Sue. She said, how lovely Louise, some great ideas for refreshing yourselves. And I thought that the point about toxic positivity was really helpful. Just wondered how you can recognize it in yourself that you are needing help or rest, Lou. How can you reckon? Because I tend to be a very positive person. So how do I know if I'm being toxic or if I'm being authentic? I think, I mean, 
I I did personally, you know, go through a, a dark time. And even though there was quite a lot of people who were surprised and shocked, I actually wasn't. But I was totally ignoring my instincts. And it was like this gut feeling. And, um, and at times, you know, it would flare up. And these little flare-ups of anger or sadness or depression, um, you know, anxiety, I just kept minimising them and dismissing them. But they were like little warning signs. But I would just like totally dismiss it and go, everything is fine. You were just tired. So it was constantly finding a reason or excuse. It's just because you've got young children. It's just this and it's going to be fine and and it was just that constant I'll be fine next week or I'll be fine next month and I think it was just noticing um that things were moving on as time progressed and there was always another reason or another excuse for my um kind of like my behavior and these feelings that I had and I think you know when you're having these little breakdowns and these little flare-ups um they're not actually a breakdown I think it's a breakthrough and it's it's like your body's way of saying, listen to me, listen. And I think you can get like very, very run down, quite a lot of illness. And again, you just dismiss it away. But I think in your heart, you, you kind of know that at some point so it's just going to change. Something's going to stop. So I think it's actually being honest with yourself. And for me, it needed to become me finally actually learning and understand what being kind to myself meant. Um, and that, and for me, my New Year's resolution two years ago was be my own best friend. And I still remind myself of that daily because you, if you saw somebody else struggling and you thought, no, they're not very well, but they're carrying on, you, you would try and nurture them and, you know, give them a safe space to talk about it. So I think you need to do that within yourself. So I hope that answers. Thank you, Lou. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's, I'm getting messages as you're speaking from individuals that are saying they love what you're saying. So that's great. Wow. Thank you. That's really helpful. Um, somebody sent me a message to say that uh, because we've only got four minutes left on the on the hour, which is uh, it doesn't it go quick? I can't believe how fast it goes. It's just, especially when we've got so many brilliant speakers, but someone's just sent me a message to say, if you had one piece of advice to give to midwives or maternity workers, student midwives, anyone working in maternity care, what would it be very quickly? Because we've literally got four minutes. So one minute each, what would it be? Starting off with you, Becca. Sorry to put you on the spot. Tough question. Um, it would be don't be afraid to say no to things to prioritize your health. Learn to say no kindly and politely. Brilliant. You don't have to do it all. That's what I have to learn, Becca. <laughs> and I guess you do as well sometimes. Yeah, it's yeah. an it's a lifelong task for me. Yeah, yeah, like when I was asking you to come and join us this evening. <laughs> Thank you. That's really important. Yes. Over to you, Fatima and Sam. One thing that you would just a tip for midwives, anybody working out there? I think is I can love yourself and heal yourself with kindness. Yeah, for me is remember that we are stronger together. 
Yay, that's really important. Yeah, we definitely are stronger together. Like even connecting with you tonight, you know, it's all this that helps, doesn't it? It really does help. And yeah, love yourself, Fatima, really important. And that's what we've been hearing tonight, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Thanks, yeah. And, uh, and then lastly, Lou. Uh, well, I would think, I mean, I think we're all very similar in what we're saying, but for me, it would be accept that it's a difficult time. And when it is difficult and everything is against you, you will not perform to your personal best. So if you think about an athlete who um, does, you know, achieves their personal best, it'll be because they've trained really hard and they're at their peak physical form. They've got the right trainers. The track is perfect. The weather's perfect. They're in the right lane. Everything was aligned perfectly for them to do their personal best but when we're kind of in a war zone and that's how it feels uh, at the moment it's not the right circumstances to achieve your personal best so don't be hard on yourself if you feel frustrated that you're not achieving a work level that you would actually want or even a family level and you know that work-life balance care just um you know sometimes you just have to acknowledge that you can't change the circumstances you are doing your best but it doesn't have to be your personal best it just needs to be sometimes good enough we don't always like to admit but sometimes it does I know I know and that's so true and that's I feel like that myself sometimes um we've actually got a few more questions but we haven't got time and do you know what I've just realized guys I've I've been sat here with these these uh, microphones on my head for the whole hour and actually and the the, it's not they're not even working then that your your voices are coming out of my laptop so these have been pointless. Anyway, I think I look quite cool. So that's all right. <laughs> but it's so funny because you can hear what everybody, you know, the whole house can hear. Anyway, so thank you again, everyone, because it's almost time to close. I really appreciate it. You know, as I've said before, this is you're giving your time up for others. And what I'd like to say to you is that you, you're making a difference. And tonight, joining us here, you've really hopefully potentially made a difference to all those people who are watching, not just now, but because it's been recorded, it will be shared widely, widely on social media. And I know that there'll be so, so much gained from your, your expertise and time. So thank you for being being so helpful this evening and giving giving us what you've giving us all your your sharing your journeys and uh, and your knowledge. Re- I really appreciate it and have a lovely rest of the evening and um, and I hope to see you all soon. Thank you. Thank you, Sheila. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you for joining us for the Maternity and Midwifery Hour. This podcast has been made possible by the team at Maternity and Midwifery Forum and our CPD partners, Matflix. You can sign up at matflix.co.uk. This episode was edited and produced by Catherine Stewart of the Narrowcast Media Group.